If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I won't let my body outweigh. Outweigh everything that I'm made of Won't spend my life trying to change I'm learning to love who I am I get strong, I feel free I know every part of me is beautiful And I will always outweigh If you feel it, put your hands in the air Show some love to the new while you're there Let's take it one day at a time Cause you and I outweigh Happy Saturday, Outweigh fam. Three weeks have gone by, so now we have another expert. Hey, Kayla. Hey, how's it going? Kayla Carson is our expert for the next three weeks. It's fun to bring on new people every few weeks or so and hear what information you have for us, what tools you can help us put in our toolbox as we're either exploring recovery, we're trying to even figure out, do we need a recovery as we try to stay in recovery? Mm -hmm. And so Kayla, I know you're a registered dietitian and you work in this field. You're very passionate about eating disorder recovery. You have your own personal story, but I'll let you share some of your background and why you're so passionate about this. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a registered dietitian. My, I got into nutrition in college. I started out as a business major, which was actually ties into my role now, but getting into nutrition was really surrounded around sort of a weight loss and wellness journey, which really looked a lot like disordered eating and unhealthy obsession with exercise. I didn't know it at the time. Then I ended up 
doing all the things I needed to do to become a registered dietitian. And I found myself working in an eating disorder treatment center. And boy, was it eye-opening. Um, so I've worked in eating disorders for the past, gosh, about 10 years as a direct clinician. I've worked in some uh, leadership space as well, and always as a direct indirect care for nutrition. And through that, um, I've just been really passionate about helping others sort of see their journey with recovery and and maybe the sort of sneaky secretive disordered eating can um, play a role in people's lives just through wellness culture and society and diet culture and kind of all the all the things that you touch on in on the podcast. Well, that leads me to what I want to discuss for week one with you, which is using wellness as an identity and or a hobby, because I feel yeah. like that's likely what happened to you, it happened to me for sure, and so mm-hmm. many listening. So let's unpack that. I, I've thought about this a lot recently for some reason, but I think, you know, growing up, I was the youngest of four. I sort of always followed my siblings. Um, I never necessarily had like my own hobbies or identity. I like did dance and cheerleading, but also not to get into like all of my upbringing trauma and everything. I also just had a lot of perfectionism. And so it was rooted into this perfectionism. When I got into college and started to exercise, I noticed my body was changing and it was it, it at first was an organic, you know, experience. I wasn't starting to exercise to, you know, go on a weight loss journey or anything like that. It just kind of happened. And then it started to pick up. So lots of, you know, comments about my body and, oh my gosh, you've lost so much weight and you look so good. And there were just so many things associated with that experience that then made me change my major to nutrition and personal training. And then I just became the quote healthy friend. So it was everything that I did. I mean, to the point where when I would go out with friends in college, I didn't want to be caught, you know, doing something unhealthy because I was always at the gym and I was working at the gym and people knew I studied nutrition. And so it was like, oh gosh, if they see me like binge drinking or something that doesn't align with this identity that I've created in wellness. And so as time has gone by and I've sort of, the the mirror has been turned on me when I stumbled into treating eating disorders. I kind of had this like identity crisis of, gosh, am I the health? Like I'm not really the healthy friend anymore because I opened my window of different foods and I, you know, listen to my body when I need to exercise. And so really for the last 10 years, it's been this extreme identity and health and wellness, and then sort of unraveling that and like figuring out who am I outside of this hobby and outside of this identity. And I think sometimes my friends and family get confused. They're like, I don't know who you are. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that when I got wrapped up with it all, like being the quote unquote healthy friend or the go-to resource for what's the next latest fad that we need to try or what's the food or how do we cook this? And what is, like, I think back over the years, all the different things. And similar to you, I had friends coming to me for things because that was all that I talked about. But while you were studying it and become a personal trainer, so I really do feel like you were learning and growing Mm -hmm. in that field. It's not a label that I asked for directly, but indirectly I asked for it because it was all consuming for me. And that's what everyone else 
around me saw that I was consumed with. So then they would talk to me about it. And then I kind of felt like a fraud because I'm like, why are they asking me all these questions? I don't know what I'm talking about. And then now that I'm on the outside of it, looking back, I know exactly why they were asking me the questions because it's all that I talked about. And I'm sure it was exhausting Mm-hmm. for some people. And then others, they're like, well, I guess this is what we'll talk to Amy about because this is what interests her, which it's okay if you have something that you're interested in and passionate about and you want to talk about it. But it was something I, like I said, indirectly put on myself and I didn't want it and I didn't like it. And similar to you, then when I wanted to eat certain things that didn't align with what I had been preaching, then I felt this shame. Mm-hmm. And then it was this awful cycle. Yeah, I think the the most unique period it was when I started to heal and you know started to open up to different foods and and allow people to open up to different foods and not be the go-to resource for I need to lose weight or I need to do this diet or what are what are your recommendations and then like for me personally those people started to go outside of me so then there was this like weird they don't know what they're talking about I know what I'm talking about but I don't want you to come to me because that's not me anymore. And it, it's a work in progress still. Yeah. We say, you know, if you're not evolving, you're dead. So yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so now I still am in this place where like, well, now what is my hobby? I still exercise. I still like to run. I still like to try new recipes and I still like to eat foods that are nourishing to my body. It's just crossed into more of taking care of myself than it is my hobby and my obsession and everything that I eat, live and breathe. There is kind of an identity crisis in recovery that people experience quite a bit. And I think there's also an identity crisis in when our body starts to shift and change, whichever direction it may go. You don't know in recovery if it's going to go, you know, one way or the other. And you can't control that because that's the thing. You're no longer trying to control that. And so... Let's talk about some of the things that may go through someone's head when their body is shifting and how just because your body is smaller, that doesn't equal well, or because it's larger, that is unwell, or it could be vice versa. So I love traveling and coming home to my bed because it's comfy and familiar. I love crawling into it. Well, what if you could take your bed on the road with you so that way you got good night's sleep while you're on a trip? And it's not your entire bed, but at least your bedding, which is the best part. Let me introduce you to Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding. Now, Cozy Earth is travel-friendly and hassle-free, and the bedding comes in these adorable totes, which makes it really easy for you to take it on trips with you. They also have really amazing loungewear, so if you're on a long flight, you can stay cool and comfy with Cozy Earth's temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew, and it'll add a touch of style to your travel ensemble as well. So whether you're exploring stuff near or far, take a little bit of home with you. Cozy Earth has everything you need to turn every moment into pure bliss. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code OUTWAY at checkout to get 35% off. And let them know that we sent you after you check out. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Let's talk about some of the things that may go through someone's head when their body is shifting and how just because your body is smaller, that doesn't equal well, or because it's larger, that is unwell. Or it could be vice versa. Yeah. I always kind of pull it back to my personal experience. And professionally, I see this in clients often. So when I was running marathons and, you know, eating what I thought was extremely healthy and and doing all the things that I felt like as a dietitian were were things I should be doing or foods that should be filling my body with, I was also iron deficient and B12 deficient and was dizzy when I stood up. And I also could fall asleep at the drop of a hat. And I just thought those were parts of me. I just thought, eh, my mom had low iron and my sister gets dizzy when she wakes up or stands up too. I normalize all these things. And it's kind of like the lies that the eating disorder will tell you. And so at the same time, I, I think I kind of knew that I needed to be adequately nourishing. I needed to be eating more, but I wasn't like really capable of doing it at that time. And so my body was quite small. However, I didn't ever believe it. So I would choose a shirt that was a smaller and extra small and it would fit me. But I would say, what do people, where do people shop who are actually small? So my, I had this extreme body dysmorphia in my mind that like, 
the shirts at Express, they ran small. And then, of course, like you look at a photo of your you and your friends, you line yourself up compared to everybody. And it's like, oh, gosh, I look the biggest or, oh, I'm actually the same size as her. But no, that's just the angle in the picture. She's so much smaller than me. So with that, then you start to, you know, re-nourish and maybe reduce the volume of activity. And for my body, my body definitely changed not quite a bit, but it definitely has changed since those like extra small t-shirt days and size, you know, whatever pants, just not saying numbers to protect anybody who might be listening, who's struggling right now. And so with that, there is this internal dialogue of like, man, I feel like I need to tell people why my body's changed. And I feel like I need to lead with that. Like, well, I know that I'm not as small as I used to be and here's why. And I don't do that (laughs) because it isn't necessary. We do not have to explain our bodies. We don't have to explain why our body has changed one way or the other. And I know that intellectually, and I know that it is much more healthy for me to say, I'm just showing up today and my, my body doesn't have to be explained. Some people's bodies really don't change that drastically and some people's do. And the body image piece is really sort of the last piece of the puzzle when it comes to recovery. And it's also a moving target. There's days you can look in the mirror and feel okay about what you see. And there's days that you'll look in the mirror and really not like what you see. And there's days where you might feel indifferent, but we have to acknowledge that, what we see with our eyes isn't always what's happening. We never see our bodies in three dimension, not ever. So we can see other people's bodies in 3D, but never our own. And so there's just a lot. I mean, we could probably talk about this for an hour. And and with that, I think the biggest challenge is being okay with the way that my body has changed and not feeling like I have to explain why my body's changed. And then reminding yourself that your body is not your identity and that doesn't yes. make up who you are or why people want to hang out with you. And if that is why for one reason or another, then maybe those aren't the people that you need to hang out with. Absolutely. I always remind myself too, like I don't choose friends based off of how big or small their body is or how pretty or not pretty, like by whatever societal standards that is. So people of course are not doing that either. And like the reality is, is that people might be thinking things about my body. That's what society does. And that's okay. They can think whatever they want. Their thoughts are not my responsibility and I don't have to act on it. And we also can't read people's minds. So we're not sure, but like, it's very possible that I show up to a place where someone hasn't seen me in a while and they might be thinking, oh, her body's changed. Well, and I know you recently had a baby too. So that involves women's bodies changing throughout the whole process. From the moment you realize you're pregnant each month, your body is going through significant changes and especially postpartum. How has postpartum body image been for you? And what are the expectations that you feel women have? Yeah, I I feel like, you know, bounce back culture is extremely high. It, It was in my last couple of months of pregnancy that I was already getting ads on Instagram and people reaching out for different diets and things like that. Um, thankfully I'm really strong and I can just say like, no, thank you or not say anything at all. And I'll say, you know, not only did I have this postpartum body, but I also had a C-section. So there were, there's like a new scar that I have never had before. And 
physical incapabilities that I wasn't expecting. So you put all of that together with hormones and all the things. And then underneath some, uh, there's been thoughts of like, well, at least I have an excuse right now. So ping, like not healthy. I need to say that out loud, get it out of my mind so that it stops bouncing back and forth and own it. Because like, even though you can have all the tools and the healthiest thoughts and feel really firm in your recovery, these thoughts still pop up. There was a moment where I told my husband, like, man, the disordered eating voice is really strong in my mind. And right now it's saying like, I just want to not eat and get as thin as I possibly can. And this was within a month after being or having our baby. And so lots of challenges, I would say for if somebody is, you know, in recovery from their eating disorder, or even maybe not having a firm recovery, pregnancy certainly has its beautiful gifts, but there's also this toxic positivity, I think with a postpartum body sometimes of like, wow, I, my body just did this amazing thing. It's so strong and so capable. And while I do feel those things, I still look in the mirror and I'm like, whose body is this? This is weird. There's things and places that didn't used to be. I can barely run a mile when I've run 26.2 before in the past. And then at the same time, just having to, again, like pull back to what's true. I'm nourishing my body. I'm getting back into physical wellness and there's no timeline for that. It's that identity thing popping up again. Like you have, yes. you know, looking, who am I? Yes. Like that's yes. definitely been the theme for this chat. And I love that you, you being an expert, so you're able to recognize right away, but you were like, ding. And it mm-hmm. went off in your head. And that's what my hope for people listening is that sometimes, sometimes those thoughts, you may not catch them, but hopefully you'll get to the point where you will sort of have that mental ding. And then you mentioned, I need to say that out loud and get it out of my head. Is that part of your process? Or what would you recommend for people that have a ding moment? Should they say it out loud? Should they journal it? What have you found to be helpful? I think anytime you can pull it from your silo, it just reduces its strength. And so when we're in our own mind, we can let those thoughts just fester and kind of build and build. And we're not able to have a sounding board. So for some people, safety looks like journaling. For some people, safety looks like just saying it on their own. And for others, it looks like talking to their therapist, their dietitian, their best friend, someone who's healthy to allow it to kind of reduce its strength. Once you say it, a lot of times it's like, okay, that wasn't quite as big as like what was here, you know, in my mind, it's, it's just like getting it out of, out of the isolation thing, eating disorders, they thrive in isolation. So if you keep the thoughts, they'll just keep building and building and building. That's the truth. Well, that's chat number one with Kayla and Kayla will be back the next two weeks. And next week, we're talking about something that I don't think we've ever talked about on the podcast, which is prioritizing recovery socially and financially and what that looks like. And then you mentioned perfectionism today, Kayla. So I want to talk a little bit more about that and even diving more into body image and body dysmorphia. So we will see y'all then. Bye. Bye. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.